They're the biggest girl group in history. Five women who changed the face of pop music through the magic of girl power. But the ride to the top was far from smooth. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello. Hi. We are back for part three of three. We've covered a lot, but we've still got a lot to go. Yeah, I was about to say we've climbed the mountain, but that is incorrect. We're two thirds of the way up the mountain. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. Let's <laughs> chat about what we spoke about in the last episode, because I think one of the most fascinating parts of the last part for me was going through the Spice Girls kind of public and divisive love of Margaret Thatcher and and like their largely conservative values. Mm -hmm. And we kind of had a conversation about how poorly this was received at large by the public. Yeah, absolutely. We also spoke about the year 1997 was a huge one for this band, particularly because of the full-blown Spice mania where the Spice Girls merchandised just about everything they could and made hundreds of millions of dollars within the span of 12 months. Yeah, they certainly had their critics through this time as well, people who said that these guys were too commercial and that basically they had no talent whatsoever. Like you could pluck any woman and put her in this band, it would succeed, which we made the point in the last episode is just so wildly incorrect. It's an insulting refusal to accept that je ne sais quoi is a value that we really love here at Shameless Media. Yeah. And every like, Spice Girl had je ne sais quoi. They all had it. Now, we also spoke about how all the Spice Girls had their ex-boyfriends selling them out to the tabloids. Mm. I mean, speaking of the tabloids, in the wake of Princess Diana's death, they were heavily pursued because there was this big void where the tabloids would once cover and chase Diana then they embarked on their world tour. They released their movie. And then, Mish, everything was about to change. Mm-hmm. We need to do a quick trigger warning before we jump into the rest of this episode, though. We will mention eating disorders, suicide, and domestic violence today. So keep that in mind as you are listening. We need to go to 1998, Mish, because this is when the end of the Spice Girls began. <laughs> All right, Zara. So you said it perfectly before. This is when the end of the Spice Girls began. As we mentioned earlier, the Spice Girls were scheduled to embark on a world tour that was kicking off in February 1998. And that tour was to celebrate their first two albums. There were 97 shows on this tour in total. And predictably, it was pretty much an instant sellout. You could think of it like the 90s version of the Eras Tour. Totally. It was mammoth. To this day, the 1998 Spice World Tour is the highest grossing tour ever by a female group. Now, it's probably worth doing an age check here because it's easy to forget how young these women were. Mel B was 23, Victoria and Mel C were 24, Emma was 22 and Jerry was 25. At first and from the outset anyway, the tour went off without a hitch. They performed their sold-out shows through Europe from February to May in 1998. And it seemed as though on the surface things were going well. Yeah, behind the scenes though, cracks were absolutely beginning to show because just six concerts into their, how many did we say before? 97. So six into 97, Jerry Halliwell was beginning to feel burnt out. And apparently while waiting to go on stage in Milan, She told the rest of the group that she was going to leave the band after their final two shows in London at Wembley Stadium, which was scheduled in September. 
When Victoria asked her why, Jerry apparently told the girls that she had just had enough that she was over it. Yeah, as per Matt Young in a Spice Girls retrospective for news.com.au, Jerry struggled with the next couple of months of the tour. He wrote, Ginger had begun to slowly lose some of her colour, her outfits less daring, her hair a shade or two lighter, her blonde streaks removed, less makeup, layer upon layer unravelling before the public's eye. She knew she wanted to get off the roller coaster. She said the girls had begun to squabble and that things were far from perfect. I mean, around this time, Jerry was even photographed crying on stage while performing in Scotland. By May 1998, the girls headed back to England in between their European shows to perform on the National Lottery Show. (laughs) It's a different time, wasn't it? Which was scheduled from May 27. I mean, gosh, it says to you how much a big deal drawing the lottery was if you get the Spice Girls flown back from Europe. Well, I was going to say, does it say... Something about how big the lottery was or that the Spice Girls said yes to everything. Maybe a bit of column A, a bit of column Maybe A. Maybe a bit of both. It was it was apparently a pretty big deal back then, but I feel like the Spice Girls said yes to every opportunity and that's what led to Jerry Halliwell feeling burnt out. When the plane landed back in England, Jerry made a point to say goodbye to the girls. Now, she didn't intentionally want to give anything away, But her making a point of going up and hugging everyone made them suspicious. Here's Emma Bunton explaining this moment and how it made her feel. Me and Jerry actually were sitting opposite each other. We landed and Jerry got up and went, I'm going to say bye, girls. Girls, I'm going to say bye now. And I thought, well, that's really weird. We never say goodbye to each other because we're not, you know, we go home for a couple of hours and we're back together. All right. So, I mean, it would be weird if you're... Like if, for example, if you and I were on tour together and you made a point of saying goodbye to me like halfway through the day when I was seeing you later that night, I'd be like, what? Well, we're barely the Spice Girls. I don't really, like we don't really make an effort of saying hi or bye to each other. Like, you know, when all our friends kiss and hug each other, you and I just kind of stand and say hello again. So often it is weird. (laughs) Now, when the time came for the girls to perform on the lottery show, they were missing one member. It was Jerry. Now, during the broadcast, Mel C spoke directly to the camera when she said, unfortunately, Jerry's not very well tonight. Get well soon, Jerry. Mm, only this was not the case. Physically, Jerry was fine or she wasn't ill anyway. The problem was is that she had completely disappeared. In the 2007 documentary, Giving You Everything, Mel B said, I think we came up with oh, let's just say she's ill and just feel it out for a minute to see if she's going to come back at all. That's what I was hoping for anyway. To which Mel C added, it was all kicking off. There were phone calls here. We were ringing her. Lawyers were ringing us. We spoke to her on the phone that day and we were like, what are you doing, you silly cow? Come on, just come back, you know. But she didn't come back. The rest of the Spice Girls kept up the lie that Jerry was unwell for just a couple more days, in particular for two shows in Norway on May 28 and 29. Fans were told that Jerry wouldn't be performing due to illness and refunds were available if ticket holders were unhappy. Now, Jerry's no-show also meant the girls had to scramble to reassign singing parts in the show. And one silver lining of this was that for the first time ever, Victoria (laughs) Adams actually had a main singing role in Wannabe. Congratulations, Posh. Now, on May 31, Jerry and the remaining Spice Girls released separate statements to a highly demanding press who wanted answers on behalf of the fans. Take this snippet from the BBC at the time. 
About 30 journalists gathered outside the offices of the lawyers Leon Thompson and tension mounted as the clock ticked past the deadline. Almost half an hour later and after several false alarms, Miss Halliwell's solicitor, Julian Turden, and Alan Edwards, the spokesman for the remaining four members of the Spice Girls, finally emerged. Mr Turton read out a statement which he said was written by Jerry. Sadly, I would like to confirm that I have left the Spice Girls. This is because of differences between us. I'm sure the group will continue to be successful and I wish them all the best. The announcement ended. P.S. I'll be back. How interesting. Now, the BBC went on. This was followed by the announcement on behalf of the remaining four members of the group, which said they were upset and saddened, but will carry on and fulfil their commitments, including the forthcoming American tour. The group are due to play 40 dates in the US, beginning in nine days' time, followed by a charity concert in Rome and four dates in Britain. The group's statement said they were supportive of Jerry and whatever she wants to do, but added finally, the Spice Girls are here to stay. Friendship never ends. After the statements were read out, Mr Edwards and Mr Turton went back into the building and declined to answer further questions about the split. Fans waiting nearby could not agree, with some saying they could survive the loss, but others gave a warning for the other four. We're going to insert a clip of lots of young fans who were interviewed by the BBC Mm. on this day to get a sense of the sentiment. She's sort of letting the whole country down. My favourite Spice Girl. I don't know if she's gonna ever come back sort of thing. God, it reminds you of when One Direction ended. That kind of like the panic, the panic, the confusion, the upset. It's really interesting as well. I mean, I know I'm taking us back slightly, but Jerry saying that this was because of differences between the girls. I feel like there's been a bit of revisionist history. I know we'll get to this later on in the episode, but it sounds like they actually were arguing a decent amount and it wasn't just burnout it sounds like they weren't getting along you're absolutely right I think it is always interesting when maybe the band are on better terms now so the story they tell is that Jerry was burnt out and tired and couldn't do it anymore but you're right you're not releasing a statement as it's happening and saying there are differences if you're not fucking pissed off if you're tired if it is that you're burnt out and you're tired you say say, I'm taking time out to prioritize my mental well-being you also can't be sure I think if you're tired and burnt out unless you're really burnt out to the end of your tether I'm sure it would be hard to know for sure if you were leaving for good or not yes it's only anger that drives you to make something so definitive So just like that, the Spice Girls were no longer a five-piece and they were just a couple of months into a year-long tour. Awkward. Speaking of Jerry's reasons for leaving the band, in the documentary Giving You Everything, which came out in 2007, she said this, I just felt empty, like I'd given the Spice Girls everything I could. I just felt like the band had gotten so big, like they didn't need me anymore, really. I felt very redundant. The wheels were turning whether I was there or not, I felt. I also wonder if there's some level of identity crisis that someone like Jerry has after leading the band in the early years to when the other members maybe find their feet and understand Mm. what they want too. And I imagine it would be hard to find your place. Mm. Now, Jerry also revealed the straw that seemingly broke the camel's back, which was an interview about breast cancer awareness that the other Spice Girls apparently didn't want her to do on her own. She said, I say it was, you know, they didn't want me to do this breast cancer interview alone. And that kind of did it for me. I was like, I can't even do that by myself. That was kind of like the final straw. I just felt like I didn't belong anymore. Mm. So how did the remaining Spice Girls feel about Jerry leaving so suddenly? 
Honestly, they've spoken about this quite a bit over the last 25 years and almost every quote seems to be in the same line, really. It seems to reveal that Mel B, Mel C, Emma and Victoria felt completely betrayed. In that giving you everything doco, Emma Bunton said, at first, personally, as a friendship thing, I was distraught. I was so upset. But professionally, we had to make it work. We had to move on. Mel B said, my number one thing was, right, she's gone for whatever reason. She's got her reasons, which must have been quite serious and heavy in her mind. But now we have a whole show to do with one person missing. We have to re-choreograph the dance routines and dish out the lyrics and the lines. That's where my brain automatically went. Yeah, Mel C said, I think we had a week off before we had to go to America and we just didn't know whether the fans wanted a four-piece. You know, people had bought tickets to see five Spice Girls. Luckily, they were cool. They said, we still want to see the Spice Girls. So we were okay, but Jerry could have really fucked things up for us. (laughs) It's really messy. Again, I think I said exactly the same thing in our One Direction series at this exact same time last year. Yeah, and these girls only have a week to prepare a new show. I get it from both sides. It's like I understand being pissed off. I also understand... The minute a band is not serving you anymore, it would be very hard to stay motivated just for other people. Yeah, and then the people stuck in the band would feel like you're being inherently selfish by jumping off. Like she had said to them, I'm done after this tour. And I think that they probably could have worked with to be like, okay, we've got a deadline inside. To say mid-tour, you've got a week to redo all these dances and songs. Like that's huge. Jerry actually fled to Paris with her brother to rest and recuperate after all of this drama. It was really an attempt to hide from the media. She also started a video diary at this time, which was then turned into a documentary, which she released under the name Jerry in 1999. We do have audio from this doco, but we're actually going to read you the clips anyway, because the quality is so bad. So one of the things that Jerry says in this documentary we found interesting was... The whole fame thing and the money is such a test of character. It really is. And the irony of it all is that I would say I was the biggest wannabe out of everybody. I just wanted fame, fortune so badly, I would have done anything. This lifestyle brings out the best and worst of everybody. It sort of accelerates the extremes of personalities. It's so easy to not keep your feet on the ground. Yeah, it's actually quite an interesting documentary, this one, because it started literally the day she left the Spice Girls and followed her around months afterwards in lawyer meetings, in press conferences, selling her Spice Girls costumes for charity. I mean, we can't include every single thing that she covered in this documentary in the months after she left the band, but it is definitely worth a watch if you actually want more detail on that. Now, not only were the remaining Spice Girls, as we said, hurriedly reworking the show for a four-piece, they were also grappling with some pretty big changes. Just a couple of weeks after Jerry's departure, on the same day in June 1998, Mel B and Victoria found out they were pregnant. Yeah, chaos. So, of course, by this time, 24-year-old Victoria was in a relationship with and recently engaged to David Beckham. And a 23-year-old Mel B was dating the dancer Jimmy Gelzar. We are going to talk more about what happened to the Spice Girls next. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Zara. So the Spice Girls finished this world tour they were on. They did the 97 shows and that tour finished with two nights at Wembley Stadium where they performed to over 150,000 fans. By this point in the timeline, it is September 1998 And the four remaining members have decided that they're actually going to take some well-deserved 
time away. They're going to take a break. Yeah, well, they were in a very different place at this point than where they were eight months ago when they started embarking on the tour. After the soft ballad Goodbye dropped just before Christmas in 98, there were no new Spice Girls songs until 2000. So it's probably worth at this point talking about what everyone did during the hiatus. Now, as I said, two members of the group were pregnant, one had permanently left, and while all of the girls had struggled with the very demanding lifestyle that being a Spice Girl was, mm. Mel C in particular was struggling with her mental health at this time. In her autobiography, she said she was running on a treadmill that she just couldn't get off with what was by now a serious eating disorder. So this was about 1999. And not only was she really struggling with her mental health, she'd also kicked off what turned out to be quite a successful solo Mm. music career. So she sort of had both of these things running parallel to each other. Yeah. She also said of this time, as reported by The Independent, with hindsight, I think it would have been really beneficial for me to have taken a break. I think partly I was frightened to stop because I didn't know what that would lead to. It's like you have a big price to pay for being successful. Mel C has also said that Jerry, someone who we spoke about, I think in the first episode, who has struggled with eating disorders, actually noticed the same behaviours in Mel C and Jerry tried to bring it up with her. Mel C said, Jerry tried to speak to me, but I wasn't ready to acknowledge the problem at that point. Yeah, the tabloids were as brutal as ever when Mel C dramatically cut her hair into a spiky pixie cut, dyed it blonde and adopted more of a punk image for the release of her first album, Northern Star. The tabloids cruelly speculated about her sexuality. She couldn't even go on holiday with her female personal assistant without them running stories about them being a couple. Now, on the sexuality rumours, take this from the Daily Record at the time. Gossip about Mel C being gay spread when she swapped her dark ponytail for a cropped blonde spiky cut and revealed her shapely legs for the first time. The ugly duckling of the band became a sexy swan, but the fact she hasn't had a man in her life for some time fueled the rumours. Speaking to the publication, a then 25-year-old Mel C said, there are no men in my life at the moment and no women either. People said I looked like a lesbian because I had short hair and because of my physique. But how can you look like a lesbian? I find it very rude and extremely offensive to gay people to call me a lesbian because of the way I look. It is very narrow-minded of these people. It got irritated. It's a stereotypical thing. Yeah, now when Mel C began to finally get treatment for her depression and eating disorder and return to a healthier weight, they ran headlines that labelled her sumo spice and beefy spice. They were just relentless. You can't win. Despite everything going on in her personal life, her work ethic, Mel C's work ethic, was exceptional and it paid off. Northern Star, that debut solo album, was released in 1999 and sold over 4 million copies worldwide. She promoted it all around the world that year. She was playing solo shows around the globe and she had just hit huge success. I don't think it was big in Australia, but it was massive overseas. Yeah, in 2000, she actually spoke candidly about her struggles and trying to recover in the public eye, which is just so tough. She said, I was sad. I'm not happy with my weight now. I am overweight for my frame and my height, but I've got a healthy mind or healthier mind. And I'd rather have that and not damage my body inside. I want to be able to have kids, so I'd rather be this size. Did you read what they wrote about me today? The star was saying that I've got an ass like a rhino and I've found Vanessa Feltz's lost chins. Isn't that horrendous? I'm getting over an eating disorder and I have to read that. If I was still ill and I read that, I would have 
have gone home and I would have stuffed my face all day. With drink and drugs, you can just completely stop that feeling, but you need food. So it's just so, so hard. And no one knows. People reading this will think, oh, poor Mel C. She's one of the most famous women in the world. She's got a nice car. She's got a nice house. She's got loads of money in the bank. But when you're feeling that low, you just think you can have it back. Wow. Now, what were the other three Spice Girls doing at this time? Well, Mel B gave birth to her child, Phoenix, in early 1999 and had a few television hosting jobs throughout the year too. She also released her first solo album Hot in October 2000 but it did not perform well. She actually also divorced Phoenix's dad Jimmy after roughly a year of marriage. Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice, gave birth to Brooklyn Beckham in March 1999 and largely tried to keep out of the spotlight during that time too. However, in 2000, she released her first solo single. It was called Out of Your Mind, but it underperformed. Luckily, at this time, Victoria was also investing in her other big passion, which was fashion. I hate the fact that that just rhymes. I know, I knew you would. (laughs) She made her debut as a catwalk model for a show at London Fashion Week that same year. Yeah. Now, as for Emma, she also did some TV hosting. She even had her own show on VH1 called Emma, which launched in 1999. And what about Jerry Halliwell? Well, in October 1998... Jerry signed a three-album contract with a record label for roughly $3 million. Interestingly, she said that she signed with this label because they were responsible for Robbie Williams' successful Mm. solo career after he left Take That. Famously... Her boyfriend later in the timeline, but we won't touch on that today. (laughs) Her first single was Look At Me, which dropped in May 1999, alongside a pretty interesting video clip, which saw her kind of attending a funeral for herself as Ginger Spice. She's kind of the OG inspiration for, was it Taylor Swift's music video for Antihero, where she appears at her own funeral? Oh God, don't ask me this. Maybe Taylor took creative license from Ginger Spice. Jerry Halliwell. Now, Look At Me was the lead single for Jerry's first solo album called Schizophonic which is an interesting album title, Mm. which produced three number one singles in Britain. Again, not huge here in Australia. I mean, I I know Jerry for one of her covers that we'll speak about in a second. It's raining, man. (laughs) (laughs) But none of those singles, I think, actually charted very highly in Australia. Basically, though, it did look like her decision to go solo may have been the cleverest move out of the bunch. People were intrigued by Jerry, by what she had to say, what she would do next. Look at me peaked at number two on the UK charts and its juicy music video did a really good job of giving people something interesting to talk about. And then of course, we're finally here. My favorite part of the Jerry Halliwell stories are It's Raining Men. It's Raining Men, exactly. (laughs) Now, It's Raining Men was her 2001 cover of the early 80s classic by the Weather Girls. Jerry actually recorded this for the Bridget Jones Diary soundtrack, but it also featured on her second album, Scream If You Want to Go Faster. It's Raining Men was Jerry's best-selling single by far. It moved around 450,000 copies in Britain alone, and it hit number one in heaps of countries. It was her fourth consecutive number one single in Britain, which was actually a record for a female artist at the time. I think in that moment, it would have been fair to say that Jerry had come out, quote-unquote, the winner. Mm. I mean, all the Spice Girls were doing pretty well, but at that time, it was Jerry who had carved out a separate identity And she did find pretty incredible commercial success as a result. Yeah. Going back very slightly now to the timeline, I mean, we wanted to cover all of Jerry's solo career there. We're back in 1999 and 2000, which were an interesting couple of years for the Spice Girls. 
Each member took their time for themselves, but then reconvened for their third album. Now, their third and final album was called Forever, and it was released in November 2000, of course, without Jerry Halliwell, who was just done full stop. A lot had changed, though, Zara. The entire music industry had kind of pivoted from their last album. Their last album came out in 1998, and what was trending in music was different two years later. Yeah, and in their absence, the world had kind of moved on from them, and it showed in Forever's commercial and critical performance. I mean, I listened to this album... I don't I think I could name prepping. a song. I don't think I knew any of them, yeah. which is so interesting to me. And it's just fascinating to me that the Spice Girls, I would say the most famous girl group of all time, only released three albums and Jerry was only in two of them. I mean, not to mention these guys only got together after an ad in the newspaper in 94. Mm. You know Wannabe came out in mid-96. They were only together as a five-piece for two years. I think that part of the story is really properly blown my mind. Now, take this from The Guardian at the time about that album Forever. Forever makes you yearn for those heady days when the Spice Girls were pop and proud of it. Then there's the Jerry factor. Five became four, and if Forever's layered grooves reveal anything, it's that losing the heart of the group has affected them more than they will admit. Jerry Halliwell combined the kick-ass ethos with a mile-wild smile that is missing here. Yeah, and so at the end of 2000, the Spice Girls entered another hiatus. They insisted that they weren't splitting up, but they said that they needed another break. So now we need to spend a little time with Mel B and her life post Spice Girls because there's a few important things that happened, Zara. We already know that Mel B divorced Jimmy, the father of her child, in 2000. She then actually went on to date the actor Max Beasley until 2002, and that is when she started dating the female film producer Christine Krokos. Yeah, now Mel B has actually been quite candid with the media over the years about her sexuality. She told The Guardian, People call me lesbian, bisexual, or heterosexual, but I know who's in my bed and that's it. I have a huge libido and a great sex life. I did have a four-year relationship with a woman. Now, speaking of relationships with women, according to Mel B, one of her relationships with a woman was with a fellow Spice Girl. I mean, again, we need to be a little bit loose with the timeline here, Mish, but years later, Mel B would tell the world that actually she and Jerry Halliwell had a sexual relationship for a time when the band was a thing. Yeah. This actually came out in an interview with Piers Morgan, where Mel B revealed that, yes, she and Jerry Halliwell had slept together. Honestly, this is really quite awkward. There are a few bits of context to know here before we play you a clip from the show. What you're about to hear is a snippet of Piers Morgan interviewing Mel B. It was set up to promote Mel B's autobiography, which was called Brutally Honest, And it coincidentally lined up with the 2019 Spice Girls reunion tour. In the crowd is Mel C. Just kind of supporting the idea that, yes, they they did sleep together. Yeah, let's play the audience a snippet because there is also a point where Mel B nods when Mm. Piers Morgan asks if they've slept together. So you don't hear it. But I think it might be interesting to hear the line of questioning. There were rumours that you and Jerry were more than just good friends you'd have a little double. Anything you want to share with the group? She had great boobs. <laughs> so you did? Well, not really. Well, you clearly did, right? Yes? 
Come on, your I books. I got you answer for me. <laughs> I, I don't know anything. Oh, whatever, Melanie. <laughs> I don't. This is all new to me. Come on, your books <laughs> called brutally honest. Yeah. You were coming here to be brutally honest. I am being brutally honest. But did you or didn't you with Jerry Halliwell? Well, what do you consider as doing it or not? Did you sleep with her? Yeah, we all slept in a bed together. <laughs> but not like that, all of us. Did you sleep with Jerry like that? <laughs> yes, really. She's going to hate me for this because she's all posh in a country house with her husband. <laughs> this was obviously a pretty scandalous revelation. I remember when this happened a few years ago and the tabloids lost their tiny minds. Looking back at it now, I kind of hate it. Like the way she's talking about Jerry Halliwell when Jerry's not in the room, it really does feel like not only having a laugh at Jerry's expense, having a joke that Jerry's not in on, it feels like an incredible invasion of privacy that Jerry's not consenting to. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of jarring to listen to it back, right, with this story because you're right. I think it's like everybody talking about someone that's not in the room. And it's a story that's kind of, if this happened, as Mel B says, it was kind of theirs to have, mm. not the world's. I mean, as you said, the tabloids lost their minds, of course. How's this from the Daily Mail? The truth about Jerry and Mel B, they were lovers for a year. The piece read, The Mail on Sunday now understands that Mel's admission of a one-off night of passion is far from the full story. Friends who knew them back then have revealed their relationship lasted at least a year. One source recalls it was in the very early days of the Spice Girls and their relationship lasted far longer than one night. It was at least 12 months. That article went on to quote this source on several other points, including that the girls began their relationship when they first lived together in the same house in 1994. This was the, God bless him, I can't remember Chick's last name, but Chick from episode one. Oh, I've already forgotten his name Chick. too. What I'm if, <laughs> is it Chick Murphy? Chick Murphy. I'm guessing this uh, is the uh, house that Chick Murphy paid for because according to this source, Mel B and Jerry were sleeping together before the Spice Girls even had their name. Soon after that Daily Mail piece was published, Jerry released a statement of her own, Zara, which was very interesting to read. Yeah, this is what her rep said in a statement to E! News. It has been very disappointing to read about all these rumours again, especially on Mother's Day of all days. She would like you to know that what has been reported recently is simply not true and has been very hurtful to her family. Moving forward, Jerry can't wait to see the girls and all the fans on the tour have an amazing time with everyone and make some new memories. Jerry is really grateful for your support and loyalty for so many years. She loves the Spice Girls, Emma, Melanie, Melanie and Victoria. How I would love to know what's going on behind the smoke and mirrors because Jerry's rep is essentially saying, oh, these are all rumours from tabloids and they're not true. But she's not, she doesn't hate anyone and she's just not mad at Mel B for saying this. She's completely omitting the fact that Mel B admitted it. Yeah. Like this statement reads like Mel B didn't nod when Piers Morgan asked her the Yeah, question. and it's like it's been very disappointing to read about all these rumours again as if the tabloids were driving it. Not Mel B. And not someone that she loves very much in the statement. But I think it's kind of a smart PR statement if they don't want to talk about this. Yeah. It's a bit gaslighty and it kind of works. But what's going on behind closed doors? Like what, they then see each other at the reunion tour knowing that Mel B said this incredibly There's private no bit of information. There's no way that 
it couldn't have been hugely tense if oh Jerry didn't want this information out there and Mel B was running with a different narrative. So that was Jerry and Mel B. When it comes to Mel B, speculation as to who she was sleeping with, who she was dating and how she was parenting was rampant for years. For example, in 2007, her ex-husband and the father of her daughter Phoenix, Jimmy Golza, did a couple of kiss-and-tell interviews for the press, which just didn't help the press around Mel B at all. Now, these interviews certainly led the press to speculate on Mel's parenting skills. One particular talking point was whether or not Mel B would be able to breastfeed Phoenix because she supposedly had breast implants. Mm, In an effort to escape the British tabloids, Mel B actually relocated to LA around this exact time. So she had broken up with Christine. She had her ex-husband talking to the tabloids. And then, Zara, she meets Eddie Murphy. Yes, Eddie Murphy. Now, Eddie Murphy was actually recently single when they met at a dinner party and apparently they hit it off immediately. According to Mel B, it was love at first sight. Speaking about her relationship with Eddie around that time, she said, It was very intense, that attraction. He is such a lovely person. He's all about family and he's just very respectful. Now, as an age check, Mel B was about 31 at this point and Eddie Murphy was 45. Mm, Sunday world reported at the time within a week of meeting eddie murphy mel b had moved into his 40 million dollar beverly hills mansion so very very quick according to mel eddie had invited her to move in but she had denied that invitation he then apparently gave her a credit card and said it would make him happy if she was to use it like he kind of got off on her spending his money the point is according to mel Eddie was giving all the signals that they were an item and that they were bonded and they were together. And they were in love. And then roughly three months after they met, Mel B had fallen pregnant and that's when things started to go awry. As per the mirror, in an interview with Essence magazine in 2007, Mel B admitted that the couple made a joint decision to have her IUD removed in order to conceive a baby by Christmas 2006. Just weeks after the IUD was removed, Angel Iris the baby, Mm. was conceived. However, by early December 2006, Mel B and Eddie Murphy had separated and it wasn't clear why their relationship had broken down, but Eddie had a bit to say about it in the press, that's for sure. This is fascinating. I actually couldn't believe this when we were reading the notes that our researcher Eilish had put together. Take this. This is what Eddie Murphy said during the press run for his movie Dreamgirls. So there's a back and forth between an interviewer and Eddie Murphy. Who would you like to play? Um, I'll be the interviewer. All right. You're the interviewer. I'm Eddie Murphy. Here's what happened around this time. All right. I expected Mel B to be in Dreamgirls because she would have fit in perfectly, right? We had done the movie already. We were finished by the time Mel B popped up. Are you happy with her? Because now she's pregnant with your child. But now you're being presumptuous because we're not together anymore and we don't know whose child that is till it comes out and has a blood test. Haha, you shouldn't jump to conclusions, sir. Nice. (laughs) Charming. (laughs) These quotes from Eddie meant that the LA paparazzi began to take much more of an interest in Mel B. So that meant that she was now being chased by the tabloids in America on top of being chased by the tabloids in the UK, which she had recently fled. Once the baby was born, though, Zara, Mel B was really determined to have her voice heard. 
About four months after Angel was born, she actually held a press conference with her lawyers to confirm that, yes, Eddie Murphy was absolutely Angel Iris's father. She said in the press conference, I'm here today for one reason and one reason only. Her name is Angel. Angel is my baby and Eddie's. She will always know that she was planned and wanted by the both of us. I'm speaking out today because I recognize that there are millions and millions of single mothers and their children who don't have a voice, who also wish for their fathers and their children to participate and share the responsibility for their children's lives. Those children also have a right to know their fathers and I call on those fathers to ignore the poor role model that Eddie has been and set a better example for their children. Boom. Boom. Mel B did not stop there. A week later, she spoke to Larry King on CNN and said this. This is a planned baby. This is something he that we both sat down. Yeah, we both sat down and planned it. Do you think he's handled this poorly? I think he's been extremely disrespectful, and I don't think anybody should be allowed to get away with saying what he said whilst I was pregnant and knowing that this was planned. That he's not sure if the baby is his and need to do a DNA test. And even when the DNA test um, results were in, there was still nothing further said, which I found baffling after all this. Yes. So Mel B was being really firm publicly, as is her prerogative Mm. with this. Apparently, Eddie accepted that Angel was his baby, but denied that she was planned. What? Shut up. What? That's just like such an awful thing to say. Put a condom on if she's not like, if that's your story. Also, this baby is a human. That will read this eventually. Eddie Murphy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> For context, Eddie Murphy has 10 children, which he's fathered with five different women. So, mm. I mean, God, if he's the kind of father to these other nine kids that he is to Angel Iris. Yeah. That's rough. Mm. Now, as you can imagine, Mel B was left feeling pretty vulnerable after her whirlwind relationship with Eddie Murphy. She was a single mother for the second time now. She'd just been raked over the coals by Eddie's awful words to the press. So it's kind of understandable that she got into another relationship quite soon after all of this. In February 2007, which was... For the record, just before she'd given birth to Angel, Mel B started dating another film producer by the name of Stefan Belafonte. Now, Stefan was involved in a few films around this time, but probably most notably the satirical comedy Thank You for Smoking. Mm. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah, that that (laughs) blockbuster film, Thank You for Smoking. Stefan also had a young daughter at the time. And to Mel B, the idea of blending their families was quite appealing. So they married in a secret ceremony in Las Vegas in June 2007, which was another whirlwind for Mel B. I mean, she's met this guy in Feb. They're married by June. She's also had the baby in April. Like, there's just a lot going on. Stefan and Mel B at first, by all accounts, were pretty inseparable. In fact, she even began working with him on a reality TV show about their lives called Mel B, It's a Scary World. It's a Scary World premiered in 2010 and both Mel B and Stefan were listed as executive producers. It followed the family as they went about their daily lives. It was kind of like keeping up the Kardashians, but Mel B's life instead. It was a flop, though, and got cancelled after one season. I remember this. Do you? Yeah, I do. Did you ever watch it? Yeah, I think I did. <gasps> now, around this time, Stefan also became Mel B's manager. Her profile was growing considerably in America. 
And definitely after the reality show, but even more so after she was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. And it seemed like her career was going really well. I mean, with her new reputation as a TV personality as well as a Spice Girl. By 2014, then 39-year-old Melby was invited by Simon Cowell to return to the UK to be a star judge on his reality TV show, The X Factor. This turned out to be a great move for Melby. She was a beloved presence on the show. It felt like Britain really fell in love with her all over again. In December that year, however, she suddenly withdrew from appearing on a semi-final episode of The X Factor. The Daily Mail reported at the time, the former Spice Girl, 39, was suddenly taken ill on Friday and rushed into hospital to receive medical care. Yeah, the truth of this hospitalisation was that Melby had actually attempted suicide. After she was released from hospital, she claimed that her poor mental health was due to the fact that she was a victim of domestic violence. Speaking to interviewers for the documentary Spice Girls, How Girl Power Changed the World, Melby's close friend, Kim Deck, said, at first it felt like he was genuine and really in love with her and a kind person, but then he just started engulfing her. She was losing her voice, but it happened slowly, so you don't quite know that it's happening until it's too late. Once Mel B left hospital and made her reappearance on The X Factor, viewers noticed that she was physically bruised and not wearing her wedding ring anymore, which naturally sparked alarm. Looking back on that commentary in her interview with Piers Morgan, Mel B said, I wanted to make sure that my friends and family that I had no contact with knew I was okay on some level. That was my big cry for help. I was thinking, surely somebody can see what's happening to me. Come and help me, somebody, please. Gosh, how searing. In 2018, Mel B and Stefan Belafonte's divorce finally went through. And as part of an out-of-court settlement, she was required to drop legal proceedings against him for matters relating to abuse. For his part, Stefan has always denied Mel B's side of the story. But despite dropping the allegations of abuse over the years, Mel B continued to speak out against domestic violence and share her story. In 2022, she was awarded an MBA for services to domestic violence victims. Yeah, in 2023, she told The Guardian, I've still got PTSD. Abusers never really leave you. What kept me going through my abusive marriage was work. I was the main breadwinner and work was my safe space. In the Spice Girls, we had each other's backs no matter what, which gave me the confidence to get out of a 10-year abusive marriage. It gave me the courage to go, actually, you never stood for this shit before. Why are you still standing for it? Defining moments like that are all thanks to the Spice Girls. Oh, now what about the rest of the girls? What happened to them? Well, Mel C is actually still travelling the world as a performer and DJ. She has one daughter, Scarlett, with her ex, a property developer called Thomas Starr. She also released her autobiography this year, Mish. Mm. Emma Bunton has two kids with her husband, the singer Jay Jones, and has been working consistently as a commercial radio host. Now, we actually didn't have time or space to talk about Emma's solo debut because that actually happened after the Spice Girls finished up, not in that kind of hiatus in the middle. In 2001, she released A Girl Like Me. She was, as I said, the only Spice Girl to wait until the Spice Girls were fully done Mm. to pursue a solo career. 
Her lead single, What Took You So Long, actually did pretty well. It debuted at number one in the UK. <laughs> was that quite meta? What took you so long as in what took me so long to I finally mean, go Maybe. Solo? Let's say it. Let's say it is. <laughs> Victoria, of course, is completely killing it as a fashion designer and businesswoman. She has four children with David Beckham. We know the You rest. know enough you about know that. Them. Let's talk about Jerry, our lost Spice Girl, our fallen Spice Girl. In 2006, she had a daughter with the screenwriter Sasha Javasi. She then got married to Christian Horner in 2014. He is, of course, the team principal for Red Bull Racing's Formula One team. Any F1 fans listening will know that all too well. She and Christian had a son together in 2016. They've now got quite a blended family. Another notable thing about Jerry these days is actually her wardrobe as well. I agree. So these days, Jerry has really embraced the colour white. <laughs> and when I say really embraced the colour white, she has not been photographed wearing any other colour, like not even accessories, <laughs> for years now. She's exclusively embraced the colour white. <laughs> yeah, she explained this choice in 2023 as per the mirror. Everything becomes really simple. It's like wearing a school uniform as an adult. White matches with everything and I literally don't have to think in the mornings. It kind of looks like you've made an effort when you haven't. Sort of obsessed with this because, I mean, I don't know, I just, I find Jerry so amazing to study and read about because she was so driven in those early days and Mm. was so rogue and so quirky and cheeky and edgy. And I fucking love that she's got to 2023 and is like, I'm married to Christian Horner and now I only wear white. And we live on like an estate. um, I just love it. I love all of it. I want to have a wine. I want to have a champagne with Jerry Halliwell. I agree. I love the rest of them. I'd love a champagne with any of them. We all know I love Victoria Beckham. But there's something about Jerry that's really taken me off guard in these last Mm. three episodes where I'm like, wow, you are... You have grit. You are, yeah, you're a real character. Now, as for the band itself, there were two Spice Girl reunions, one in 2007 and one in 2019. Victoria didn't attend the shows in 2019. Once again, I bought into the rumours it was because she couldn't sing anymore. (laughs) The last time all five of them performed together was in 2012 for the closing ceremony of the London Olympics. I'm obsessed with this performance when they were on their own individual cars throughout the closing ceremony. (laughs) And in a piece on the Spice Girls legacy for Elle, writer Alana Kaplan pointed out that the Spice Girls' impact lives on even in today's pop world. She wrote, Their formula changed the pop landscape, proving there was interest in girl groups and that there was value in targeting a female fan base with candor. They laid the sonic blueprint for empowering pop music, which is echoed throughout today's most recent popular and outspoken artists. It is impossible not to think of the Spice Girls' impact when you hear Dua Lipa's escapist breakup anthem, New Rules, or see Charlie XEX's hands-on approach to transforming the genre. It is very possible that Girls Aloud, The Pussycat Dolls, Fifth Harmony or Little Mix wouldn't exist without the Spice Girls. Whether or not you subscribe to the girl power messaging that the British pop group sold, it birthed a generation of go-getting, boundary-pushing women who aren't afraid to do what they really, really want. I love it. I love that quote because it's true. Whether or not you subscribe to that girl power messaging and we spoke about how nuanced the conversations are and should be around the commercialization of girl power. I do believe that that <laughs> I do believe that Lana Kaplan's right. Yeah. That it birthed a whole generation of women who are like, you know, I can do it. I want to go chase things. I really, really want this and I'm going to really, really get it. I love the nuance. I'm here for the nuance, but I, I really, really live for the I'm girl also here pop. for the simplicity of just being like, go out and get it. That's yeah, it. <laughs> go get it, girl. <laughs> That's all. A massive thank you as always to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan, for putting this one together. I've had such a blast doing the Spice Scales. Oh my God, what a band. 
What a summer scandal series. So stoked that we got to do it. So stoked that you guys are still here listening to our voices. Thank you to audio producer Annabelle Lee, who has to be here, our senior audio producer has to hear our voices because she edits these episodes. We're very grateful to you, Annabelle. We are so grateful. Guys, we will not yet be back on this Thursday. It's the Thursday, the next one. (laughs) (laughs) The 18th that we're back properly. So we'll be back in your ears on Monday with another episode of Scandal. Bye. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.